0: The Lord has called us to be salt and light. Light in a dark world. Amen. How many of you know without the church, without believers in Christ, there's really no light in the world? That's a hard thing for some to get their minds around, especially when there's so many out there doing so many good things believing in their God to do what it is that only a relationship with God through Jesus Christ can supply. But without the church, there really is no light. And we're called to to share that life and that light with the world. But unfortunately, in many cases, the church looks just like the world. And, And so... It becomes of none effect the more we try to blend and, and take on the, the likeness of the world, the attitudes. During these times, I would say it's especially important that we magnify the Lord, as it were, and to, to think upon Him, to grow closer to Him, to grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord, to operate in faith we've got not only here in this country where I, I think it's just be it's more obvious the hearts of men um i say man i mean all mankind in this country being revealed through through what we know is our election process but it does it does uh bring out uh a lot about people doesn't it not just the candidates but you see how entrenched the world is in those candidates and uh, their ideologies. <laughs> and uh, they're not only here, but just the people in the entire world. So these times are really scary, as it were, if, if you didn't know the Lord. Look at Luke 12 for a second. And we'll just get into the Word for a minute. And then he'll give me some increase here. But in Luke twelve, Jesus had just been talking in in uh, in uh, Luke chapter eleven about the light that we are and how we're not supposed to hide that light but set it up for all to see and and uh, he had all these people following him around and, and Jesus he had a uh, he had many following him to look for problems you know these these religious hypocrites of the day were looking for something to get him, catch him on. They were asking him, they just asked him in Luke 11, let's show us a sign. He said, I'll show you a sign. You're going you to see the sign of Jonah. They didn't know what he was talking about, of course, but that that's the greatest sign of all that he would be buried for three days and rise again just as Jonah was in the belly of the fish for three days. But, we come up to Luke chapter 12 and it says many thousands of people had gathered together and they were trampling one another. So many gathering around Jesus. And he began to say to his disciples first, Beware of the leaven of the Pharisees, which is hypocrisy. Nothing is covered up that will not be revealed or hidden that will not be known. Therefore, whatever you have said in the dark shall be heard in the light. And what you have whispered in private rooms shall be proclaimed on the housetops. Jesus didn't go for these religious traditions and doctrines of men, as he called it. said the word of God had become of no effect because of all these other things and this hypocrisy. So these religious leaders who did everything outwardly correctly... But judge everybody else. He said, That's not that's not gonna fly. I'm looking at your heart. He says, All the things that you have and done and thought that are in that people don't know, they're gonna be seen. There's gonna come a day when everything will be known. We're all gonna stand before God and receive our rewards for whatever we've done. Every word, every deed. So just as they were judging all of those, they hated the people who didn't live up to this holy standard that they had that they claimed to live up to, but their hearts were dirty and so he goes on he says, "I tell you, my friends, do not fear those who kill the body and after that have nothing more that they can do. but I will warn you whom to fear. Fear him who after he has killed has." authority to cast into hell yes i tell you fear him he's talking about god but then listen to this he turned around and he says are not five sparrows sold for two pennies and not one of them is forgotten before god even the hairs of your head are all numbered fear not you are of more value than many sparrows Fear God who can throw you into hell. But don't be afraid. God loves you and he's numbered the hairs of your head. I tell you, everyone who acknowledges me before men, the Son of Man will also acknowledge before the angels of God. But the one who denies me before men will be denied before the angels of God. And everyone who speaks a word against the Son of Man will be forgiven. But the one who blasphemes against the Holy Spirit will not be forgiven. And when they bring you before the synagogues and the rulers and the authorities, don't be anxious about what you should say to defend yourself or what you should say. For the Holy Spirit will teach you in that very hour what you ought to say. I would say just remember to stand up for him, whatever you do, whatever setting you're in. Someone in the crowd said to him, Teacher, tell my brother to divide the inheritance with me. But he said to him, Man, who made me a judge or an arbitrator over you? And then he said, He warned both of them, Him and his brother, basically. Take care. Be on your guard against all covetousness. (laughs) For one's life does not consist in the abundance of his possessions." And he told them a parable. I told you this one just a few weeks ago about the, the man who needed bigger barns for his crops and then he thought he'd relax and enjoy it and God said you fool this very night your soul is required of you I just want to talk about this for a second the fear of the Lord here the fear of the Lord for the world is a good thing fear of judgment fear of being cast into hell for not uh, accepting Jesus Christ, this is not a bad thing. <laughs> uh, sometimes that's the only reason people come to God, is they just don't want to go to hell. And honestly, that's that's not a bad step. <laughs> if that's the only if that's the only step you can make, hey, God, I don't know much about you, and I'm not a good person, but uh, I definitely don't want to go to hell. I believe uh, that much that you have the power to do that, and I don't want to do it. What do I need to do? Hey, if that's all you got, that's all you got. And that's okay. (laughs) Most of us actually come to God for that reason in the beginning. But don't you know that he is good? And when we begin to learn of him and to grow in our relationship with him, he begins to do something to our hearts when we really understand about that communion meal that we just took and the things I shared with you to reflect on when we really when we really believe that it changes it changes from fear of judgment to the kind of new covenant fear that believers should walk in which is just a a reverent awe love and respect for the God who loves us and Created everything that we are and everything that we know, and still has time for the smallest detail of our life. The world doesn't know that, and that's why we pity them in that regard because we have something that's eternal that those without it can never understand until they come to know the Lord. You know, we are really stewards of everything that He has given us. Everything that we are, everything that we do, we're stewards of God's grace. When we tithe and we give into the offering, that's just one part of what the Lord really wants from us. He doesn't want our money. He could have established, He could have provided for his church and for his ministers some other way. He could do it supernaturally, but he's chosen this because he wants the people to be a part of it. That's just his system. But really what he wants most of all is you. When he has you, he has everything, and that's what he's entitled to. He wants more of your time. He wants more of your your offerings, of course, because these are the things that He uses to help you and to bless you. The more time you spend with Him, the less time you'll need to do the things that you're worried about. (laughs) He'll just cause them to fall into place supernaturally. This is not something I think. This is something I know. I know that He's faithful. And just like Dennis said before about how God rewards faithfulness you know I I like to sometimes as small as I am in his eyes I like to reward him for his (laughs) you know how we do that just by remembering him thanking him honoring him with our lives and talking to him you know when you're the only one in the room and there's no hypocrisy. There's nothing for you to benefit. From praising God. <laughs> do you do it anyway? Those are. My most fun times. I love to. Be with the Lord. And, and he is faithful. I want to. Just kind of have us focus in today the lord was showing me just a picture of these times because i, I you know i keep up with the uh, political arena you know i tell tavana listen it only takes 3 minutes of this to to be caught up you know <laughs> but <laughs> but i do i do enjoy it and it's something that we should be a part of you know is god a is god a democrat or is god a republican you know i think a lot of people struggle with this I look around and I, I see, you know, that 70 million evangelicals last time didn't vote. And were they to vote, and, you know, were they to vote the Bible, things would be different. You know, that's just a fact. Uh, having said that, uh, it's interesting to say and to know that God is neither... <laughs> um, God looks at the heart and, uh, now it just as sure as he's not, uh, he's not in, in it when someone is voting, uh, for a particular person because of their race or, uh, ethnic background, he's, de- he's not in that, but he definitely, let's just look at a few of the things that, uh that we see from the bible we know that a child is a child from the moment of conception in god's eyes he knitted them together in their mother's womb we know that john the baptist leapt for joy in in his mother's womb when mary showed up at the house and so these are things we must take into consideration this is one of the big things in the political arena these days and no matter what we've, any of us have done or thought was right in the past, I, I'm I'm one who's guilty. Uh, but I know the truth now, and the fact is that that's something we need to take into consideration. This is not a women's health issue. This is a human rights issue. So we need to consider that. We need to consider the fact that what God has ordained his marriage is between a man and a woman. We need to believe that. Now, if one party or another attaches itself to everything that we consider ungodly and the other claims not to, well, we have a responsibility to go that way. Now, having said that, is there bigotry and hatred and and uh, uh, hypocrisy and greed on uh, on maybe on the other side to a large extent absolutely absolutely <laughs> but we're not looking we're not looking at the individual's motives again we're looking at what they proclaim. you see so if we proclaim that we want godly values, we want the family, we want, Less government, freedom of religion. Okay, this one says all these things. And the other one says, hey, we want the government to be in control of everything. Not encouraging people to work. Entitlements, abortion, uh, same-sex marriage. The men go to the women's restroom. Okay, this is not a hard choice. If you are living for the Bible. And that's just the truth. Okay? Now, the hypocrisy and the greed and the anger and the judgment and all the other things that are true, on many cases on this side who claims all the right things for God, those are still true, and we fight against those with everything we are. Here's the difference between the church and a religious, I mean and a, and a political, de, uh, I' almost call it a denomination, what a party? We are not for tolerance in the church. We're for love. I don't tolerate anybody. I love them. I challenge anyone on that side which claims the the lack of God and un, the ungodly things that God hates as being good. I challenge any one of them to love uh, that that homosexual or that transgender person or, or it, it, the one who has uh, gives up the child I, I challenge them to love more than I do love those people I have someone in my family that I love very much one of my own siblings has lived that way her entire life I love her more than anybody I'm never ever ever going to call that which is evil good I owe them that much but I don't judge I'm not here to judge I'm not here to hate just love just love why am I not for the entitlements that the government wants to give to all these people teaches them not to work or to do you know I can get a better check from the government than I can if I take this job so I think I'll take the check instead of the job no God says, I bless whatever you put your hands to. I want to teach them how to participate in God's plan. And honestly, the church is the one supposed to be providing for the needs. I'm not against the provision of the needs. I just want I want us to come back to God. I want us to learn God and to, to grow in our relationship with God because when the church wells up and really walks in faith, the church is much smaller than they think. Trust me. But the real church, even the even the fragment that is the real church, if they, they would rise up and walk in the light and love of God, of Jesus Christ, there wouldn't be any needs in this country or in the whole world, really. where We have that much authority and power. And there's nothing we could believe for along those lines of providing for the needy, for, for those... There's nothing too big for us that we couldn't believe for, and God would do it if we were walking in the light of God. The fullness of that. We don't want to point people to the government in the sense, to the extent that they they make the government their God. This is a terrible thing. But remember, we called to be a witness, not a judge. This is a hard thing looking right there in Luke, aren't we in Luke seventeen? No, Luke twelve. Go over to Luke seventeen for a second. I'm sorry I went way off of course, but God just has a few things that He's put in my heart. But look at Luke seventeen, the second verse. And if you are you find yourself in verse one, watch out. But Luke seventeen two says it would be better for someone to hang a millstone around their neck And be cast into the sea, then they should cause one of God's little ones to sin. God is gonna take care of everything. He said, Vengeance is mine. Why is that important? Because it's not your business. It's you are not the judge. You are called to be a light. A steward of God's grace. The gospel is the good news. The bad news is already evident in people's lives. They already know they're sinners. What they need to know about is Jesus Christ and how good he is and how much he loves them and how much he has paid the price for all their sin. That he's bore their rejection and shame and sorrow on his body on the cross. And that it's a free gift. This is what people need to know. It's the goodness of God that brings repentance. We just need to believe ourselves. The, to the extent that we will believe... Here's another thing. Who does... Who does the convicting and... and I mean, they're not just going to wait till they get to heaven... For all this judgment and leadership and guidance. Who's going to tell them they're sinning if, if in other words, if, 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 uh, if they have to wait and go to hell to, to find out? No. Doesn't Jesus tell them about this on the, his faithful night, the last night, right after they partook of this meal or before? John 16, he said, he told them, he said, I tell you the truth, John 16, 7. He said, I'll tell you the truth, it's good. That I'm going away. Didn't he say that? Mm -hmm. He said it's good for y'all that I'm going away. They were sad because here again he's telling them for the 50th time. That he's going to die and they're starting to finally get it. (laughs) He says. He says. If I don't go away. The helper will not come. The helper capital H. But if I go. I'm going to send him to you. And He, when He comes, He, this is the Holy Spirit that He's talking about, He will convict the world concerning sin and righteousness and judgment concerning sin because they do not believe in Me. That's the sin that the Holy Spirit is convicting people of. And He has a perfect way, a gentle way of doing it. He's not going to impose God's will on anyone. But he'll keep it ever before them. And you know what he does? In his love and his his beauty and his perfection, he, he always, if he can get them to consider God, he will lead them back. Every sin, no matter what it is, it'll be funneled into a stream that leads back to one question Why don't you believe in me? Why aren't you trusting in Jesus? Every sin. No matter what. If it's not of faith, it's sin. So every sin boils down to unbelief. Unbelief. In the goodness and the provision of our God and Savior. And that's what the Holy Spirit will do. He'll keep reminding them. Why aren't you just trusting me? Why don't you give this to me? Give me what's in your hand. I want to show you what's in mine and he's great at it. We don't need to we don't need to judge people. We don't need to cause them to feel convicted. We just need to be light. Our testimony is the greatest message we can ever use to help somebody else in their life with their sin. Just tell what God's done for us. <clears throat> Choose to believe. And the trick to this i'm kind of going backwards, but if you want to see how to believe better than you have in the past, I want to encourage you to get your hopes up because that's what's that's the part of you when we talk about people using their imagination it's usually in a negative <laughs> a negative way, and in the Bible it's usually in a negative way but i'm I'm going to tell you that Christian hope is using your godly imagination. Using your imagination to envision the promises, the realities of God's promises concerning you. The realities of heaven. The realities of the mansion that he's building for you in heaven. The realities of the rewards you will receive in heaven. The realities of your eternal life with God. The realities of you serving here For a millennium in this earth. With Christ. The realities of you. Reigning as a king and priest forever. The realities of you. Judging angels. One day. When you can see these things. The realities of you being healthy. And whole and prosperous. And anointed and favored. And loved of God. You need to see these things. You need to see these things. God shows me things. I look into the eyes of His children and I... And then sometimes He doesn't. You know when He does? When I'm yielded. When I know how great He is and how I'm not without Him. He shows me everything about you. When I get impatient and I want to fix things and fix people, I can't see anything. It's just love. It's just love. He's called us to love, to be, to be that light, to be the love of Christ. He's not here in the flesh. You are. You're it. You're all he has. You and the rest of us who love him too. And when we turn that off to escape re- the rejection of the world, we're really hurting them instead of helping them. When we blend in with the world, instead of just continuing to shine as brightly as we can in the midst of any adversity or rejection, because of political correctness or anything else. Romans 15.8 says. For I tell you that Christ became a servant to the circumcised. To show God's truthfulness. In order to confirm the promises given to the patriarchs. And in order that the Gentiles might glory, glorify God for his mercy. So Jesus came for all men. The Jews and the Gentiles. First them and then us. As it is written, therefore, I will sing, I will praise you among the Gentiles and sing to your name. And again, it is said, rejoice, O Gentiles, with his people. And again, praise the Lord, all you Gentiles, and let all the peoples extol him. And again, Isaiah says, the root of Jesse will come, even he who arises to rule the Gentiles, that's Jesus. In him will the Gentiles hope. Paul says all that from the old scripture from Isaiah. Just to get to the 13th verse of Romans 15, he says, Now may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing. In believing. Why? So that through believing, this hope may grow in you so that by the power of the Holy Spirit you may abound in hope, he says. It's all tied into your believing. But your believing is tied into your hope. If you can't see it, you'll never have it. God is the God of hope. All things are possible with God. Isn't that what he told that little virgin who was pregnant with God's son? All she wanted to know is, How are you going to do this? He said, All things are possible. Them that believe. To those who believe, Matthew, the 24th chapter, Jesus said, Because lawlessness is increased, most people's love will grow cold. That's the time which we live in now. People love their sin more than they love the light. And that's just the fact. The world is lost and the world is. Under the influence of Satan. And because it's so prevalent these days. Many, many have waxed cold. Or their love has grown cold toward God. The 13th verse he says. But the one who endures to the end. He will be saved. The gospel of the kingdom shall be preached in the whole world. As a testimony to all nations. And then the end will come. But it's the 13th verse that I was kind of pointing to. The one who endures to the end. There's a lot of good starters. But God only interested in the finishers. And without true belief, without real Christian hope in God, it will be easier and easier and easier as the times get worse. Christians love to wax cold toward God. Why is it important to point this out? Because when we see that that's happening with us, we say, no! In the name of Jesus. I am going to stand strong to the end. No matter what. No matter what, because it's those who endure to the end who will be saved. And Jesus warns in Matthew 10, he says, you're going to be hated by everyone because of me. That's what Jesus said. But the one who stands firm to the end, he said it again, Matthew 24, 13, he said it. And then he said it before in Matthew 10, But those who stand firm to the end will be saved. He said it again in Revelation Matthew 24.12 Because of the increase of wickedness the love of most will grow cold. But then Luke 21.19 he says again stand firm and you will win life. Eternal life. The world is not like you and you are not like the world. I have to continue to stress that because God is trying to get the point across. He's he wants you to embrace that. He wants you to embrace it. He wants somebody here to embrace that that we are not like the world and that's okay. We're not supposed to be. But They're in big trouble and we're not. We need to help them to not be like the world. Don't conform and be like them. 1 Thessalonians 4.13 is the scripture. I, I always go to this passage of scripture, unfortunately, when I have to do a funeral or when someone's suffering from a terrible loss. But Paul was talking to the believers in Thessalonica and he says... Listen, we don't want you to be uninformed, brothers, about those who are asleep or or have passed on. That you may not grieve. He said, why? So that you may not grieve as others do who have no hope. We always have hope. Always expecting good from God. I'll take that a bit further. We don't grieve as the world grieves. Why, in, in the in the sense of someone passing on? Because if they know the Lord will see them again, the world doesn't know that. They well, you know, they might listen to some prominent daytime TV lady or something, and it tells them all oh, we're all just part of the light, and we're just going to go all be together in this light and become one in the light, and all this nonsense. But it's not that's not true. But really, in their heart, they know they're in big trouble. We don't have that worry. It's just like somebody leaving on vacation or something, extended maybe. <laughs> but we will see them again. And when we see them again, our hope and our, our confident expectation, which is Christian hope, is that they won't be sick then. They won't be hurting anymore. They won't be oppressed anymore. And it's going to be a wonderful reunion. The world doesn't know that. We know that. But I'll take it a step further And say we don't not only grieve like the rest of the world, we don't judge like the rest of the world. We don't hate like the rest of the world. We don't covet like the rest of the world knowing that everything here is temporal anyway. And that our treasures are laid up in heaven. That's why we sow into the kingdom of God into the good things that God puts on our heart to do. Knowing that we're making new friends that we're going to be with in heaven. They're going to invite us into our home. I sew into, I give a I give uh, I give money to Reinhard Bonkey. I just made a, a million friends in Africa that I'm gonna see one day. Because he says for every dollar he gets a soul saved. <laughs> I mean, you know, I'm just saying. I believe it's all connected. And that's one of the things that we need to remember is that we don't not only grieve or or sin or covet or judge or hate like the rest of the world. Because we're not like the rest of the world. But that we're all one here. And this is this is what Jesus said on that last night. He, he prayed a whole bunch about unity. He said, this is how they're going to know that you belong to me. Your love for one another. Your love for one another. One of the things this poor pitiful man of God. Maybe those aren't the best words of it, but I felt compassion for this man of God. That's one of the things that he had me to pray for him and with him about He he said, man, there's darkness in my denomination. I said, I know, I know. We're supposed to be one. We're supposed to be one. The Holy Spirit is what we need the Holy Spirit to help us with this. We can't do the Christian life apart from him. I can't stress that enough, but we're supposed to be one. We're supposed to not let... In other words, go back to the politics of this time. The same motivation and that's driving others, make sure that your motivation is pure. In other words, make sure that you know we're really going after godly values and godly... And, and the family and, and 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 that we don't want the entitlements not because we hate someone who who we think is lazy or whatever because we want to show them the truth in God's way and introduce them to his way of providing. You see what I'm saying? Make sure that your values and that your reason, your motives are Christian and Christ like. That's that's all that's what we're saying. And as far as the others other goes, that, that's just we can't, there's just no way for a Christian to accept that and say that they're voting the Bible. You just can't. We're supposed to be the salt and light. We have to remember that the motivation for us is our belief and our hope in God alone. If our hope is for this world only, then we should be pitied more than anyone else. But our hope is not just for this world. And with God, all things are possible. No matter what's going on in our lives, Chris. Good morning. I think both Chris's fell asleep at one time. Look at that. No matter what's going on in our lives. No matter what the problem. What the, (laughs) the obstacle is. All things are possible with God. All things. If you don't believe me, ask Moses. Because there was a time when he was backed up to an ocean with an army coming after him and the children, the Hebrew children. What did God do? He provided a way, didn't he? Didn't he part the Red Sea? I mean, now who would have guessed that? It looked impossible, didn't it? But all things are possible with God. Think of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, those three Hebrew children. Who refused to bow down and worship that king? It looked impossible. They cranked that oven up hotter than it had ever been before. It burned the people who were tending to the fire up. They threw these three boys in there. They look in there. Well, there's four people in there now. One of them looks like the son of God. Jesus in there with them, just hanging out in the fire. Didn't even they came out. They didn't even smell like smoke. All things are possible with God. What about Daniel? They throw him into the lion's den. Hungry lions, Just so he would be eaten. Knowing that there's definitely no way out of this for him. Well, in the morning, he's still sitting there. <laughs> the lions didn't touch him. God shut the lion's mouth. Took away, he did it. God has a way. All things are possible with God. They told him, You better get to Lazarus' house real fast, Jesus, because he's sick. Jesus took a little mini vacation. He just rested for a couple more days. And then he told him, Lazarus is sleeping. We're going to go to his house. Well, if he's asleep, maybe he'll get better. Maybe we should just let him sleep. <laughs> you know why he did that? He didn't want to say he's dead because to them, that's permanent he didn't want to mess up you know they already weren't walking operating in faith (laughs) but they forced him and so he didn't deny the truth he said Lazarus is dead but they went and they get there and Mary and Martha they're very distraught why? because Jesus is too late they didn't have any doubt that he could heal him they'd seen him heal a bunch of people and finally they're recognizing his ability to heal But man, he let him die. He'd been in there for four days in the grave. He's too late. No, not for God. Lazarus, come forth, he said. And there he comes. They just had to get all those old grave clothes off of him so he could walk in the freedom and the life and the victory that God provided. Just like us. We need to get rid of those old grave clothes. Be loosed. And shine bright. Amen? Amen? Amen. (laughs) God loves you. He loves you. Did He help anybody today? Amen. Yes, sir. Good. And we're going to just stop for temporarily right there. And we'll just start again next Sunday, Lord willing. But we don't know if we have next Sunday. What are we going to do between now and then? How are we going to shine? Everything we start to do. Every phone call. Every time we turn on the computer. Every time we sit down. Every time we walk out of the house. Is this going to glorify God? Or maybe would he have me to do something else? Would he have me to say something else? Would he have me just to give this person a hug? To smile like God. I have something that they really should want and need. I don't know how many times just walking through the grocery store, I've had people come back and make another block or another aisle and come back around and just say, I just want to thank you for smiling at me. I've had it happen a lot of times. Try it. Because right. what? Because you can guess what comes next, right? <laughs> They're going to hear something about Jesus, the source of my, Hallelujah. the source of my joy. One other thing. Go ahead, Chris. Don't don't let your feelings disrupt that. Because you know how many times I've put on a smile in a grocery store or a bank or something when I didn't feel like smiling or doing you know how many times I've asked somebody, can I pray with you? Thinking they would say no or thinking it's not going to help them anyway. <laughs> a lot. <laughs> I got a friend who went to pray for a lady in the hospital with her family asked him and he went, And none of them were very godly. Maybe one of them had seen or heard of him and asked him to come pray. And this woman was not a believer. She was stage whatever, the highest you get, death's door of cancer. And this minister really said, okay <laughs> in his heart he was like I'll pray but I could help none there's no time to get any faith involved here there's no time to get the word in. there's no time to to, to give them just the, the little bit that they need to receive of God and he said but I'll pray and he laid hands and he prayed and rebuked the sickness he felt no faith at all from them or even from himself at the time Next time he saw these people, they were with that woman. That old woman and she came running and leaping up on the stage and thanking him for praying that day. She was completely healed of that cancer. So don't go by your feelings. Your emotions can mislead you. You have the joy unspeakable in your heart and Whenever your feelings don't agree with that, reject the feelings, not the truth that you know is the reality from God. You have the mind of Christ, all of the fruit of the Spirit, the love, joy, and peace you'll ever need are in you already. Just draw on that and claim that whenever your lying emotions tell you different until they line up with the Word of God, the promises of God concerning you. And you'll be blessed because of it when you start to learn to reject those ungodly emotions as a lie of the lie they are then you're going to start having greater victory over them because that's how you draw out by faith that which is already in you if any of you need prayer I'd like to pray with you today I'm going to be up here I love you God loves you Father, thank you for your word. and Thank you for caring so much for us that you shed light, even on the things which are so touchy and delicate in uh, this politically correct world that we live in. But your truth is the truth. It doesn't change. You, you don't evolve and your word is true. And your truth is important because it's what's best for us. No matter how we see it or how the world sees it, you know what's best for us. You're the manufacturer. So we go to you. We come to you and we just embrace your truth, knowing that it's best and that you love us. And that we're going to spend all eternity with you. And so this short, brief time that we're here, help us to embrace your way, your will for our lives and help others do the same. In Jesus' name.